So last week you got to hear the, the, the whole cantata, that piece that you just heard a minute ago. You got to hear the whole thing with the orchestra and that beautiful piece of music by Pepper Choplin. And you'll be hearing bits and pieces of it over the next several weeks as we go through this series on the, the 23rd Psalm. <clears throat> I actually preached at the 930 service last week. Uh, I don't know, I, y'all should have sung it at 930, I don't know, but anyway. Uh, so, um, but, uh, and one of the things I remind you, right before the 23rd Psalm is the 22nd Psalm. Uh, and that's the one Jesus quotes on the cross. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This, this song, psalm of uh, abandonment uh, and, and the deep pain of that. And so you, you go from that, as David writes, you, know, you go from this, this psalm of being uh, uh, you know, alone and abandoned, you go to the 23rd psalm, which is a psalm of tremendous uh, care and comfort and, and God surrounding us. Um, and most of us, when we hear the 23rd psalm, I, I'm going to just go out on a limb here, most of us who hear that, we, we think of funerals, right? Be honest, that's kind of where your mind goes, because we always use this, we, almost every funeral I've ever done, we've read the 23rd Psalm. It's just, and it's that, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death thing, so people have it kind of boxed into that, and, and what I'm hoping we do over the next couple of weeks is you can hear a little more of the, the, the breadth of what David's really doing in this psalm, that there's, there's much more to it than just that one little piece that we tend to think of. So I'm hoping you, you just kind of give it a little room and let it breathe a little bit and let David speak to us and let God speak to us as we walk through the next several weeks of looking at the 23rd Psalm. Let's pray. Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So it, it, it starts off, uh, you know, as you might think, look, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, I know that's not a surprise. Uh, so, so this is how it starts. And yet I want to tell you that already in that line, even though uh, you've just done it, there's more being said there than what most of us realize when we read through that line. Uh, in the Hebrew, when you read through this, uh, the word the Lord there, that's, that's actually, uh, that's God's name. Uh, that's Yahweh. Uh, and if you remember back when Moses meets God at the burning bush out in the desert, <clears throat> and he says, uh, okay, so when I go and talk to the people, who, who shall I say sent me? Uh, God's answer is, I am who I am. That's, that's God's name. I am who I am, or I will be who I will be, or I'm going to be who I'm going to be. It's a, it's a statement of unconditional being. This is who I am. And, and in the old Hebrew of that time where there's no consonant, I mean, no uh, vowels, it's all consonants, uh, you have the letters that later become the name Yahweh. Uh, this is God's personal name. This is not just uh, you know, a generic word for God. This is God's personal name, if you will, or God's first name, as we might think of it. And, and so you know, it's, it's a very distinctive, this is, this is Yahweh, this is God of Israel. This is, this is not Baal, this is not Astarte, this is, this is Yahweh. This, this particular God. Because at the time that David writes this, you know, there, there's gods all around them in the Mediterranean world. And in Egypt, there were all kinds of little household gods that they carried with them wherever they went. So, so this is a, a distinguishing name. Not, not just any God, but this God. And when the early Christian church began to, to uh, take these psalms and read through them, they, they use that term, the Lord, they use that to apply to Jesus Christ, who is the divine and the fullest revelation of the person of God. So, so when we read through this psalm and it starts off by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, it's not just talking about anything. It's, th- it's talking about Yahweh, the God of Israel, Jesus Christ. This is the Lord. Only, only this is who we're talking about. Um, not, not, not the God of our uh, 401k 
or the God of our uh, career goals or the God of our position or the God of our prestige or the God of our uh, you know, wardrobe or whatever or whatever God it is that we actually worship sometimes on the side that we don't like to admit to. But, but, but rather, this is, this is Yahweh. That's who we're speaking of. So, so just to be really clear, as we move through the psalm, that's who we're talking about. It says, the Lord is, is my shepherd. And, and in saying that, there's kind of a little backhand slight going on here that uh, we urbanites miss uh, sometimes. Um, when I lived in the hill country, one of my uh, members raised, uh, had a ranch and he raised goats and sheep. And he passed on to me the, the, the same, which is, you know, goats are born fighting to live. Sheep are born looking for a place to die. He said, sheep are the most stupid animals you have on a ranch or a farm. He said, they are dumb. I mean, they don't, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They just go wherever the group goes, you know. And, and, and if, you know, if one of them walked into a sawmill, you know, the others would follow right in there with it and all die. He said, because they're too stupid to know better. He said, you know, they start eating and they put their heads down. And they start eating on the grass and they wander off to wherever the grass takes them. And then they can't figure out how to get back to where they started from. He said, they're the dumbest animals on the ranch, and that's who we are. I mean, all those references, you know, we always think of sheep as nice and warm and cute and cuddly and all that kind of stuff, but actually, you know, the people of the, this period of time, they knew better, you know, the, you know sheep you know, were, were valuable animals, but they just dumb, and, and, and you know, that's kind of us, you know, we, we are not the sharpest tool in the woodshed sometimes. Uh, and we go where the crowd goes, we put our heads down, we start eating, and we go where the crowd goes, and pretty sure soon, you know, we're out somewhere, and we don't know how we got there, and we don't know how to get back to where we started from, and we don't know what we're doing, and we wander into places that are uh, bad for us, or are dangerous for us because of our lack of understanding or spiritual insight. We, we need a shepherd. That, that, that's the part of this that sometimes people miss. We, we need a shepherd because without it, without it, we are going to wander into places that are destructive to us. So, so even in that first line, what he's already started to tell you is, is you know, this is who we're talking about, Yahweh, and, and, and we need a shepherd because we sheep, well, we're just not the sharpest things on the face of the planet. I know we like to think we are, but we're really not. Now, now, way back when in, in Texas, uh, you know, when, uh, when the land was being settled and, you know, before fences were strung all over the place and people raised cattle, you know, they used to have cattle running out on the range and, and they had to have a way to keep track of whose cows belonged to who. And so uh, those of you that have been around a while, you're all familiar with this. This is a, a chart of some of the Texas brands. Uh, the, the cattle were branded and that way you could look at the brand and you could tell which cows belong to you, which cows belong to your neighbor. And, and also when you went to market, it made sure that you got paid for your cows and your neighbor got paid for their cows. Uh, and so, you know, this is kind of a chart of the brands. And as you look at that, some of you will look at that. If you look at that uh, one in the upper left-hand corner, the running W, some of you will recognize that as the brand of the King Ranch. King Ranch. That's right. Uh, it's probably the most famous brand in the state of Texas. If you put a bar under that, it becomes the Bar W, which was my Uncle Bobby Webernick's brand. Uh, and so, uh, you know, these were, these were used for, for many, many years as a way of, of you know, uh, you know, keeping track of the cattle. Now, the, the, the problem is that works pretty good with cows. It doesn't work too good on sheep, does it? Because, you know, they grow wool. So you brand them and then they grow wool over it and you can't see it. So how do you keep track of who's sheep or who? I mean, if you're, uh, if you're out there in the field and you've got all these sheep, you know, how do you, how do you keep them sorted out? You know, who, who, who knows which sheep belong to which shepherd? 
So, so Jesus has a little teaching on this in, uh, in the 10th chapter of John. He says, when, when he, the shepherd, has brought out all his own sheep, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they, they know his voice. I mean, way back then, you know, the shepherd had to know who his sheep were. He had to know what they looked like. He had to be able to recognize them because they didn't have any kind of brand or anything. So he had to know which ones belonged to him. But also, they had to know which shepherd they belonged to. And so they were taught early on to listen to the voice, listen for the voice, listen for the voice, and follow the right voice. Now, we have a filter kind of built into our brains on our hearing. You know, and if you're ever somebody where, you know, out in somewhere there's a large crowd, uh, maybe in the mall or at a baseball game or wherever, uh, you have a filter going that, that hears all that noise. And, and in the midst of all that noise, if someone says your name, you'll hear it, right? Because you've got this filter in your brain. And it, it filters all this noise and says, oh, yeah, that's all noise. Wait a minute, that's your name. And, and your attention will go to that. Now, if you have an unusual name, that's really great. If you have a name like Tom, you'll be sitting around and somebody will say your name and you'll turn around and go, what? And then there'll be a total stranger. It's just really embarrassing. But, you know, because they're looking at you like, why are you answering? But, but we have that built into us. And in the same way, we hear voices that are familiar to us, uh, people we love and people we care about. Their voices, our brains will filter that above the noise. So if you're in a crowd and, and, and your husband or your wife or your kids or your parents or your grandchildren or your grandparents, if they say or call you, you will hear that above all the other noise because that's the way our brains work. We filter things out like that. So, so in this time, that's the way the sheep work. They, they heard the voice. And, and we need to be able to hear his voice because, you know, we, we're overwhelmed with noise, aren't we? I mean, we live in a world that's always talking at us, uh, whether it's on the computer or on the television or on the radio or on your phone or in the media, print. I mean, I mean we're, we're bombarded. When I first started ministry, we were told that if you wanted to communicate something, you needed to say it three times. You needed to communicate it three times in order to get above the noise. Now we're told it takes nine to ten times to get above the noise because we're just bombarded. We're just bombarded. It's always coming at us. It's always coming at us. We need to be able to, to hear the voice of the shepherd. And, and, and if, you're not, <laughs> if you're not sure you can do that, then, then you know, don't, don't be okay with that. Don't give up on that. Don't quit on that. You know, be, be praying and petitioning and pleading God for that. John Wesley said that uh, if you don't have an assurance of your salvation, if you don't know that you've been saved, don't be okay with that. Keep praying, keep pleading, keep petitioning, keep asking God until you do have an assurance of it. And in the same way, if, if you're not sure that you're accurately hearing the voice of Christ, the voice of the shepherd, don't be okay with that. Pray for that, plead for that, ask for that. Because only this shepherd is the only one you want to listen to. You know, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who's not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now this is the only shepherd you want to listen to. This is the only one you want to listen to. You know, we, we talk about somebody that's a good friend, and we'll talk about somebody, we'll say, oh, well, they have your back. 
you know, or, or somebody that will, you know, they'll, they'll take the hit for you, you know, somebody that will do that. Um, and we use that kind of language. Uh, but how many people really are willing to die for you? I mean, this is, this is the good shepherd. I mean, here he says, I'm, you know, the good shepherd lays down his life. Here it's a prediction, but on our side of the story, it's accomplished fact. I mean, this shepherd has died for us. This shepherd's been willing to do that for us. How many others are willing to do that? You know, there's, 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 no, other, there's no other voice to listen to. I mean, there's, there's no other thing on the earth. There's no other person around. There's no other power. There's no other organization. There's no other thing out there that is going to be there for you when things get bad in the same way. They're hired hands. And when life gets hard and things get rough, they're going to run away and leave you. But not this shepherd. Not this shepherd. Because this shepherd will be with you even if it means he has to die for you. Not speculation, but fact. That's who he is. So this is who we listen to because we know that this shepherd, this shepherd is going to be there for us. And because the Lord, because the Lord, Yahweh, Jesus, is my shepherd who cares for me, me, the dumb old sheep, I shall not want. Now, when I was young, I I had some trouble with this because the way a lot of people will read this passage, they'll say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means if I'm a good Christian and I'm a follower of Christ, God's going to give me everything I want. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way a lot of people read this. I've even heard preachers preach on that that way. You know, if you're really a good person and the Lord's your shepherd, God will give you everything. You won't be in want because God will give you everything you want. And I I'm, I'm just want to disabuse you of that this morning a little bit. Because as I was growing up and, and we were scrimping and scraping and doing without a lot of things because we didn't have that much, we'd read through that passage and it made me think, okay, so does that mean maybe we're, we're not that good a Christian? Maybe we're not following Christ right because we don't have all this stuff. You know, we went to First Methodist Church in Corpus Christi, and, uh, and most of the other people that went there had a lot more than we did. They had more money than we did. They had nicer cars than we did. They had nicer things than we did. They got to go on better vacations than we did. And, uh, and, and you know, so you start to wonder, you know, what are we doing wrong? And, and that bothered me for a long time until, uh, until I heard Bob Lively speak about this. And Bob's going to be here on June 3rd at 5 o'clock. Uh, Bob wrote a book on the, on the 23rd Psalm, which if you haven't read it, it's really great. Um, and, and Bob spoke about this and he said, no, it's, it's not about God giving you everything that you want. It, it's about the fact that if the Lord is your shepherd, then you've already got everything you want and need in that relationship with Christ. It reorganizes your life. It reprioritizes your life. The thing you want the most is this relationship with Christ, the Lord. And if you have that, the rest of the stuff is just background noise. It's just background noise. I mean, think about the way Paul talks about this in different places. 
Uh, for in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him. You've, that fullness, you, you, you've come to know it, the fullness of Christ, the fullness of God, who's the head of every ruler and authority. Or down here at the bottom in Ephesians, you know, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. I mean, if, if God's been poured into you, if every spiritual blessing has been poured into you, what more do you need? I mean, all the rest of the stuff becomes kind of gravy, you know, because you've got the thing you want the most. I mean, unfortunately, too many of us, and I watch us do this, too many of us, you know, Christians, we profess the name of Christ, but then we're trying to fill this emptiness in us with all the stuff we can acquire. As if somehow or another, if we go out and buy the right clothes or the right thing, or we have the right job or the right home or live in the right neighborhood or have the right amount of money in our retirement account or whatever, somehow or another, that's going to complete us. And as our friend St. Augustine reminded us, you know, there's, there's a hole in, in, in our hearts and our spirits that only God can fill. I mean, it's, it's only God that can complete us. And, and if in that relationship God completes us, all the rest of that stuff becomes second place. That's why in, in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul writes about a, what he called his thorn in the flesh. We don't really know what it was, but some kind of a physical ailment. And he said, three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And it's not that God's going to give you everything you want, but that God's going to give you the most important thing that you want. And the rest of it becomes second place. And I don't know how many of you battle any kind of ongoing physical things. I mean, I know some folks, but not everybody. Or, or battle ongoing kind of issues in your families and all those kinds of things. Uh, I, I, I've battled allergies from the time I was young. I've always had that on my plate. And, and my mother and I both uh, have suffered from migraines uh, for many, many years. And we're talking the kind of thing, you know, where your field division narrows down. And really all you want to do is go sit somewhere with a bag of ice on your head for a couple of, you know, for 12 or 14 hours. Um, and... Uh, so I've had that for years, and, and I've prayed at least three times, maybe, maybe quite a few more than that, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, you know, okay, I really would like this to go away, and, and, and it's still part of my life. I mean, it's an ongoing thing that I battle with. And, and, and yet what God has chosen to do is not to remove that from me. So that even in those moments when I'm really feeling rotten, um, the power of God can be shown that God can continue to work in my life, even in those moments. I mean, if, if, if you have the fullness of God within you, all the other stuff, you know, that, that, that all becomes second place. And Paul talks about this great blessing in Ephesians. And he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being, with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you're being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. With all the fullness of God. And, and if you're thinking, oh, I, just, that's, I don't feel like I'm there. Again, don't, don't settle for less. Pray for it. 
Petition God for it. Plead for it. Beg for it. Ask for it. Don't leave God alone until you've received that. Because when you are filled with all the fullness of God, everything else becomes secondary. Everything else becomes secondary. How many times have we gone into places and we travel into to different places with folks and we're in ministry uh, where people have so much less than what we do and, and we come home and people will talk about oh they had so much joy and and their faith was so powerful and, and it's because you know in spite of the fact that they don't have all the stuff that we somehow think is important they've been filled with the fullness of God pray for it plead for it beg for it because if your heart and your soul is filled with the fullness of God you're really not going to be in want. Doesn't mean you might not like to have this, that, or the other, but you're not going to be in want. I mean, the, the Lord, Yahweh, Jesus, the Lord, Yahweh, is, is my shepherd, and, you know, he, he cares for me. He calls me back from those places that are dangerous. He, he, he leads me into places that are good for me. And when there's danger, he's, he's willing to stand between me and that danger, even even at the expense of his own life. And because he's my shepherd, all the fullness of God gets poured into my life. And I'm not going to be in want because I've been blessed so deeply. If that's where you'd like to be, I want to just invite you to... to, to uh, Go through another psalm with me here right quick. Uh, we're going to read this responsibly. Just the Psalm 100 as a way of declaring that, you know, this, this, is, this is who we are. We are God's people. And this is what God has offered to us. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the lands. Know that the Lord who made us is God. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and God's courts with praise. Give thanks and bless God's name. For the Lord is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. God's faithfulness to all generations. Yeah, let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that your love does endure forever and you are steadfastly faithful to us from generation to generation. We give you thanks that you are the one who is our shepherd. That you're the one who calls our name and you're the one that leads us in good places and you're the one that protects us. We give you thanks that you are willing even to lay down your life for us and that you pour into us all the fullness of the breadth and the length and the height and depth of your love. So, Father, as we come to this table this morning, uh, we ask again that you just pour that life into us and all of the fullness of it. Open our ears to hear your voice. Open our spirits to know you. And bring all the fullness of your life to dwell within us that we might not be in want. And we ask you to meet us at this table this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.